It's time for the All Things Strange Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can find all of the show's links in the description on the link tree. We have a Discord where you can come and interact with the hosts. We've got some merchandise, and we have a Patreon where you can sign up to support the show. This week's episode, The Case of Elisa Lamb. I don't know, the murder, the case, I don't know, whatever. I'll figure something out. The incident. The incident. I don't know what to call it, dude. It was not ruled a murder. This is a really strange case. This has been on the list for a really long time, but we don't typically do like true crime kind of stuff. And this is a true crime more more so than anything. But this case is really weird and super appropriate for the Halloween season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember hearing about this case back in the day when it happened. And like, uh, I'm just glad I, you know, I've I've never been to this hotel, the CISO hotel where this incident happened. But I'm glad I wasn't there when when it did because ugh, ugh yeah, oh god, we'll get into that. But it's geez, geez, like like I said, there are several things about <clears throat> this case that make it perfectly appropriate for you know, like they, they have adapted this story into several different horror movies. I'll just leave it at that. But well, let's start at the beginning, the stuff surrounding the case. Oh, I guess first I'll mention this topic was voted upon by our Patreon subscribers. Every week, our Patreon subscribers at the top tier get to vote on the upcoming topic, and they chose this one. Um, We have a couple of other tiers. The first tier will get you early access, and after hours, the middle tier gets you bonus episodes, and the top tier, like I said, allows you to vote on topics. So this case happened at the famous or infamous Cecil Hotel, a hotel that is not just famous, it's infamous. It means it's more than famous, I guess, according to the three amigos. <clears throat> yeah, every time I hear that word, I always get reminded of the three amigos. <laughs> yeah. He's not just, who is this guy? Is he famous? Oh, he's not just famous. He's in. I forget the exact line. I don't know what they're talking about. El Guapo. Yeah. <laughs> but the Cecil Hotel, now it's called... Um, uh, stay on Main or something. Yeah, Stay on Main Hotel. They rebranded to get away from all the horrible things that had happened throughout the years, I guess. But uh, oh, before we get started, I guess I just want to say a couple of things. First of all, this is a serious warning to anybody who is squeamish, who might be offended by certain gruesome details of murders and other things, who might be. Um, very, very offended at the idea of throwing a baby out of the window, <laughs> you know, uh, stuff like that. If you're not into that kind of thing, then go ahead and skip this one and catch a different episode because it gets it gets pretty wild. This case is, I guess, off the hook would be one way of describing it. Also, I just want to say, you know, Elisa Lamb's friends and family, they're still out there. This happened, this was like 2013, so not super long ago, and... Um, when, you know, when we're talking about stuff in this case, I just want to say that I've got the utmost respect for her surviving loved ones and, uh, we intend no disrespect at all to her memory. So I just wanted to put that up front 
those two things, you know, if you're squeamish, don't listen. And I, de- I definitely respect her memory. And I, my heart goes out to, you know, her surviving relatives and friends because this had to have been very difficult for them to deal with. But all right, let's get to the case. The Cecil Hotel is in downtown Los Angeles in the Skid Row area, which is, if you've ever been to LA, that's that's not a nice place where you'd expect a tourist to go visit. Mm-hmm. It is not a nice place at all. <laughs> well, and one of the reasons why she was staying at the hotel, first and foremost, was because it was a very, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a very affordable hotel to, to you know, rent a room at. And it's also uh, the room that she was in, uh, well, the first room at least, was a kind of a hostile type situation where you have multiple people in that same room. Yeah, dirt friggin' cheap. I don't know. I didn't look up what she was paying, but it was probably like 15 bucks a night or something like that. You know, like it was probably nearly free. So yeah, yeah. Very inexpensive in a a bad area. I've been down there too, to Skid Row around those uh, surrounding areas and stuff. Uh, When I was younger, I used to go to a lot of concerts and stuff down there. So driving through there, even like back, I mean, it's, it's even worse nowadays down there than it was when, you know, I was visiting and stuff, but it's always been a, a pretty bad area. Yeah. Yeah. It's for a long time. Apparently it wasn't always that bad, but it went downhill during the great depression, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The hotel itself was built in 1924 and it was pretty nice when it was built. It wasn't like luxurious, you know, not like a Ritz Carlton or anything like that, but it did have marble floors and may still have those marble floors. I don't know, but it was, it was Probably. nice enough, you know? Yeah, it was was built basically to cater towards like businessmen. Yeah, the businessman or the middle class, but it went downhill during the Great Depression when nobody could afford to stay in hotels. And at that point, more and more, it was frequented by um, prostitutes or sex workers. I'm not sure what the PC term is. I mean, no offense to the profession, but, you know, those people, um, drug addicts, (laughs) people who were cheating on their spouses. It was a hotbed for that kind of stuff. Anywhere, anybody who wanted to do something on the DL, something a little nefarious, this is where they went, you know, apparently. Uh, The hotel has 700 guest rooms, uh, 14 or 15 floors. There's a little bit of discrepancies in the the descriptions for that. Um, There's a history of deaths and suicides in the building, it was closed down at one point for a, a hundred million dollar renovation and opened reopened in twenty twenty one as affordable housing. So I guess they just got rid of the idea of a hotel entirely. At that point, they're like, "All right, this stuff can't. This hotel cannot be reformed. It's just there's just too much crime going on here. Let's just instead let's open it up as affordable housing instead of you know instead instead of a basically where people run illegal businesses." Um, it's currently managed by a company called Skid Row Housing Trust, which I'm like, isn't that like a little bit of a sketchy hmm. name for a housing trust? I don't know. Oh, my Discord just shut off by and itself. And the hotel itself has inspired many, many works of fiction, movies, books, whatever. Uh, for example, the American Horror Story see, uh, season um, hotel is just the name of the season. It had uh, Lady Gaga in there and stuff. That was inspired by the Cecil Hotel and specifically the video footage of Elisa Lamb, which I'm sure we will get to in a little while here. But before we get to Elisa Lamb, I just wanted to talk about some of the events in the hotel because many of these are 
episodes in and of themselves, and they are definitely horrific and appropriate for Halloween. So we'll start at the oldest one we have here, November 19th, 1931. W.K. Norton checked in under the name James Willies. Uh, He was apparently from Chicago, and a week after checking in, he died from ingesting poison capsules. He was aged 46, and it was ruled a possible suicide. This one's kind of strange because maybe he was trying to work up the muster, but if he checked in under a false name, that suggests that he was trying to hide his identity, but it might not have been for the purposes of suicide. It might have been for other reasons. Maybe he was meeting somebody there. Maybe there was some sort of crime involved. Maybe the mafia. Who knows? Who the hell knows? But usually when people intend to commit suicide, there's a very narrow window where they can actually do so. And if they can get through that window, then a lot of them actually recover and go on to lead normal lives. So the fact that it took him a week to commit suicide, I find very suspicious, very, very suspicious. And I I mean, this case happened so long ago that there's really no way of knowing what happened for sure. But I'm willing to bet that if you dug in a little deeper, you might you might find some suspicious evidence for this case. It just doesn't make sense that you check in, wait a week to commit suicide. That's just not how suicides happen. All right, September 1932, a maid found Benjamin uh, uh, Dodich dead of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. And there was no suicide note. He was 25 years old. Again, was it really self-inflicted? We don't know. Perhaps, uh, when was Prohibition? Was this uh, an inside job? Did the police do this? I don't know. (laughs) There's all kinds of shenanigans and tomfoolery, but we don't know. It was a long time ago. July 26, 1934, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden was found with his throat slit. He left several suicide notes saying that he was in poor health and that it was a suicide, basically. It was ruled a suicide, The poor fellow was age 53. Now, again, we have another very questionable case where um, slitting your throat is... That's not not very common in suicides, as far as I'm aware. It's not an easy way of doing it either, you know? Uh, Most people, they just want to get it over with. They want to, you know, jump off a roof or whatever. They don't want to... um, Yeah. I mean, you got... (laughs) slitting your own throat jesus but i mean you have to you i mean if if that is the method that somebody would choose they they would have to be very men- mentally disturbed in order to do that because most people are, are not going to have like the ability to inflict that kind of injury on themselves you know right and the fact like, that they were just going to stop it the fact that there were multiple suicide notes i find highly suspicious as well almost as if somebody was making extra sure that when he was found, it would be thought that he was a suicide, you know? Really strange case. All right, March 1937. Uh, Grace E. Margot fell out of a ninth-story window. She landed on telephone wires, which um, broke her fall a little bit and wrapped around her body. She later died at the Georgia Street Hospital of her wounds. The investigation could not determine the cause of the fall, So they don't know this one. This one could be murder. They really don't know. But I'm guessing when she was in the hospital, she was not able to speak. She was probably unconscious. Uh, Yeah, another another weird case where somebody just falls out of a window. There's a lot of these. May 1939, 
Navy officer Erwin C. Neblet, age 39, was found dead in his room of poison ingestion, ruled a possible suicide. Once again, we don't know. Uh, it's, it's a little sus, little sus. January 1940, mm-hmm. Dorothy Seeger, age 45, checked in under the name Evelyn Brent. She took some poison and died at the hospital. She had sent her family a suicide note. That one could be a suicide, but I don't know. They say that, yeah, these suicides, they check in under false names. But on the other hand, maybe they were meeting a lover at the hotel, and that's why they were using a false name. You know, there's any number of reasons. Yeah. And a lot of these, we just we just don't have the evidence to say one way or another. Um, although this one, she did send a suicide note, apparently. September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, age 19, was sharing the room with her boyfriend, uh, who was a shoe salesman, Al Bundy, no, I'm just kidding, Ben <laughs> Levine, age 38. So there's a huge age difference there, 38. And uh, what did I say, 19? Robin 19. the Cradle, holy shit. Um that's, yeah, that's not normal. <laughs> Rock the cradle of love. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Dorothy apparently was unaware that she was pregnant. I don't know how that's possible, but that's what it said. She unexpectedly went into labor. Ben was asleep and she didn't want to wake him up. So she went into the bathroom to deliver. And when the baby came out, she thought that the baby was dead. So she threw him out the window. The baby landed on the they, roof of a neighboring building. When it was discovered, she was charged with murder, but three psychiatrists. so. Yeah. But three psychiatrists said that she was mentally confused and was found not guilty by reason of insanity. One of the very, very rare cases where that's actually happened. And holy crap, I warned you guys. <laughs> I warned you guys. Well, the squeamish need not stick around for this yeah. one. She must have had some kind of serious mental health deficiency of some sort because, like, what like, giving birth like to a dead baby, or if you think it might be dead or, or what have you, that's not a crime. You know, it's yeah. just a you know, it's unfortunate. You know, extremely unfortunate. But to throw it out the window, it's like whoa! Like that's a it's a level. Uh, it's a step up right there as far as whatever. I don't know why you would do that. Is all I'm saying. You know, it's like. And you didn't do anything wrong. You had, you had a baby. So what? Maybe, maybe you didn't make it. That's sad, but yeah. And you, you got God, to run just, out the window. Just imagine finding that and having to be on the crew to clean it up, you know, like, Oh God. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Well, that's, yeah. it's just, just awful. All right. November, 1947, Robert Smith, age 35, jumped out of a seventh floor window. It was ruled a suicide. But again, there's, you know, there's no evidence what, what happened. He just fell out of a window, jumped, who knows. October 1954, Helen Gurney, who was age 55, um, registered as Margaret Brown, fell from a seventh story window and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. It was ruled a suicide. Another one of these ones where they check in under a false name and end up falling out of a window I mean, could it be a lover's quarrel? We don't know. It seems very strange to me. Uh, Usually, from what I understand, I'm not an expert, but people who commit suicide, usually, you know, they want to be found. So their loved ones will know that they're gone at least, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. February 11th, 1962, Julia Francis Moore, Julia Moore, hey, that's an actress, uh, age 50, fell from the eighth floor room 
and landed on the second-story interior light well. There was no note. All right, October 1962, Pauline uh, Otten, age 27, and um, George Giannini, age 65, were the victims in this one. Pauline had an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. He apparently left the room, and after he left the room, she jumped out of the window of the ninth floor room. How do we know he left? I don't know. That's just what it said. And she landed on a pedestrian below, George Giannini, who was walking on the sidewalk. Both died instantly on impact. And dude, that's bullshit right there. (laughs) You know? Sucks. That sucks. Yeah. If you're going to be an asshole and throw somebody out of a window or jump out of a window, at least have the courtesy to make sure you're not going to land on anybody, you know? Jeez. All right. June 1964, Jacques B. Ellinger, age 29, um, and Pigeon Goldie Osgood, age 65. Pigeon Goldie is her nickname. So Pigeon Goldie was found dead in her room by hotel staff. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten. Her room had been ransacked. She was a well-known figure in the area because she liked to feed the the birds in the nearby Pershing Square. Kind of like, you know, the bird lady in Home Alone 2 or whatever, I'm guessing. I don't know. Jacques was seen hours after her murder walking through Pershing Square, his clothes covered in blood. He was arrested and charged, but he got off probably insufficient as evidence. I don't think they had DNA testing back then. He probably didn't no. convince. He he was not. He didn't uh, confess. They didn't have any evidence, so they probably had to let him go. This murder is still unsolved. Now, I don't know, dude. I wonder if they still have those sample clothing so they could do a DNA test. I don't know, but there's a there was a time when. If you were not caught in the act of murder, you pretty much got away with it. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know if that mm-hmm. was still the thing in the 1960s, but uh, it seems like this was the case. This is one of those cases where it's probably a whole episode to, to go on here if we dug into it a little bit more. December 1975, Allison Lowell, 23, um, well, they call her Aunt Allison Lowell, but she was apparently an unidentified woman, and that's just what they call I don't know. It, it was just a short little blurb. It doesn't specify why that is. Apparently jumped from the 12th floor window and landed on the second floor roof. Uh, maybe that's the name she gave when she checked in, but it turns out that was not her real name. I don't know. September 1992, somebody um, without any identification An African-American male, age 20 to 30, fell from the 15th floor and was found, you know, on the ground. I think it was set in an alleyway or something. And that's all that we know about that case. We don't know anything else, but it seems an awful lot like he might have been thrown, you know, who knows. Mm -hmm. February 19, 2013 was the Elisa Lamb case. And June 13, 2015, a 28-year-old male who is unidentified was found outside the hotel. The cause of death is unknown. They're not sure if he jumped, if he had a heart attack or whatever. They just found him dead there, and they don't know how he died, apparently, according to what I saw. No, that's, just, that's, that's the ones that I found online, and I'm guessing that there were probably a lot more that we don't know about. You know, maybe somebody being murdered and then their body being disposed of. Um, we'll talk about the climate in a little bit, I guess, but 
I'm guessing there was a lot more. Now, there's also a lot of notable guests that stayed there throughout the years. For example, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, who did his killing spree between June 1984 and August 1985, apparently stayed at the Cecil Hotel while he was on his murder spree. He would go out, murder somebody, come back in his bloody clothes, take his bloody clothes off, put them in the dumpster outside, and walk into the lobby either naked or in his underwear. And yes, it was that kind of a hotel where somebody walking <laughs> into the lobby naked, nobody would think twice about it. That's just the kind of yes. kind of hotel yeah. it was, you know? A common occurrence in that area. Yeah. Richard Ramirez had at least 15 victims or murders, possibly more. Like this, this was a bad dude. He was a devil worshiper. Um, he had victims in the LA and Bay area and he was convicted in 1989 to 13 murders. And there was more found after that, after the fact, but why convict him when he's already sentenced to 19 death sentences? I don't know where they get that number Mm -hmm. 19 from, but that was the number. Um, so he was convicted of five attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, 14 burglaries. Uh, and the judge said that his deeds exhibited cruelty, callousness, and viciousness beyond any human understanding. And, um, I don't want to go too much into depth into some of his crimes, but they were bad. They were like really, really bad. They were excessively violent. He would like to torture people. And this was a bad dude. Like it's, it's so horrible. The things he did. I don't even want to be more specific than that on the show, you know? Yeah. Just because of how nasty it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was, there was, I'll go into a little bit of detail, but not too much. Like there was one instance where he, he murdered, uh, uh, mother, father, and, and, uh, I think it was a daughter. I might be wrong about that, but like they, he, he would like take pleasure in like torturing people in front of others. Right. While he was, uh, you know, killing them obviously as well. But like, I don't know. Yeah. Short stories, long story short, the the dude would, the dude was horrible. He's a horrible person, you know? Yeah. Fun fact. He actually murdered somebody down the street from where we used to live in diamond bar. (laughs) I was just about to mention that. Yeah. Our hometown. Fun fact. Yeah. Needless to say, everybody in the neighborhood was a little freaked out for a little while there, you know? Well, was, I actually, I actually grew up with, uh, I won't say his name, but I, uh, one of my, my childhood friends lived on the exact same street where that happened. Mm-hmm. And basically from what I understand, what he did was he was just basically walking up to like, like, uh, back doors or back, like sliding glass doors in people's backyards and just seeing if it was open, you know? Yeah. And the first one, the first one that he found open, he went in and did his uh, horrible deeds, you know? Yeah. But my, my friend that I grew up with ha- had, had uh, lived before that house and um, his father had told me one time when I was uh, when I was younger that they actually like saw footsteps that had luckily their door was locked, you know. Oh, but shit. they had footsteps, yeah, like in like the uh, the dirt, like because I guess it was like a like a his backyard was a little muddy or something like that. So they noticed feet print leading up to the door and then walking away. Oh God, that's fucking insane! And you know what, dude? I know, right? Knowing the way our household was run, we probably never locked our back door. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> rarely. Just, yeah. It's just how it was because it was, you know, my parents had five kids. It was always chaotic and there there was no order in the house. And it guaranteed somebody in that house would have forgotten to lock that back door every single day. So, Oh, yeah, because everybody was going in and out always. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it, it was, you know, pure luck that it wasn't us. I mean, when I say down the street, I mean like 
um, I don't know if I remember correctly where it was. It was just a few houses down. It was probably like, you know, I don't want to say the specific street, but you know where the street is, right? ETA. It's just, it's, it's just, it's a like not, not that many houses down from where we lived. It's kind of frightening to think about. I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 houses down or something like that. It's pretty crazy. All right. Another guy who stayed in the hotel that was also a serial killer was Jack Unterweger. Who's a um, who was a international killer? He lived from 1950 to 1994. I guess he was from Austria. He murdered people in Austria, West Germany, Czechoslovakia, and the United States. He has up to 15 victims. And after reading a little article on him, I'm guessing there are probably a lot more that we don't know about. But probably he was, he was convicted in 1974 in uh, in Austria. And get this, agent ETA. He was paroled in 1990. Yep. You're yeah, familiar with that. Jack? Yeah, only a little bit. Like yeah. I, I, I heard that he had been convicted of murder. He had spent like, was it 15 years or something like that? Is that what uh, you said he was sentenced to? And then after he had gotten released, he just continued his murdering spree. Yeah. He gets out and right away he murders eight more women, <laughs> right? Within the first year, he murders eight more women. And, um, in 1991, he was hired by an Austrian magazine to write about crime in Los Angeles. So he got funding from this magazine to go work in Los Angeles. So he goes to LA, he met with local police. He did some ride alongs. And while he was there, he stayed at the Cecil hotel and it's speculated that he might have been trying to copycat what Richard Ramirez did, whether or not that's true. I don't know, but Three sex workers in Los Angeles were found beaten, sexually assaulted, assaulted with tree branches, and strangled with their own bras. Ugh. Like, and... uh, Bad way to go. Yeah. Oh, God. It's just... It's excessive. It's a bit much, you know? If if you got to get your murder on, you know, just... I don't know, dude. These these are horrible people. I, I, I can't say any more than that on it, I suppose. But the police in his home country eventually found some evidence to link murders to him and they um they charged him with some stuff and they chased him all the way to Florida where he was caught in 1992 eventually he was convicted and in 1994 the night he was convicted he hung himself in his cell and it just blows my mind that somebody this horrible would be paroled how the fuck does that even happen like i don't know dude like there, there are some crimes that are so heinous that these people are, they're saying, they're telling you, I do not deserve to be a member of society ever. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no paroling these people. You know, the only thing would be is if you exonerate them, because there have been cases where people were wrongfully convicted, but this was not one of those guys. So I don't know um, how it's possible that he got paroled. That just blows my mind, dude. There's your mind boggle of the week, right? Holy crap. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I'm speechless, except I have a podcast, so I have to keep saying stuff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Another famous dude who stayed in the Cecil Hotel, or at least was rumored to, was Alistair Crowley, who we've talked about oh, before on the show. Yep. Yeah. Oh, shit. Now, he, years before the Cecil was even open, this is, so this case has an incredible number of strange coincidences perhaps synchronicities. I don't know what you want to call them, but one of them is that 
earlier, before the Cecil was even opened, early in his earlier days, Alistair Crowley did some ritual and summoned a demon spirit or something. He did a sketch of this demon. And do you remember the demon's name, Agent ETA? Baphomet? No. The demon's name was Lamb, L-A-M. Just like like Elisa Lamb. And the picture that he sketched looks a lot like a gray alien. It's, But it looks like a gray alien out of a horror movie. It looks friggin' creepy as hell, dude. And supposedly Hmm. he opened an interdimensional gate to let these beings through to come here for some reason. I don't know. I didn't look into it that much. That's just one of the weird things I saw related to this case. It was, he was probably trying to sacrifice young children. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, do us, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> if that involves killing children. Then that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Cause that's what you want. It's crazy religion. We should do, I'm sure it's only a matter of time. We have to do an episode on Alistair Crowley. Cause he, he touches yeah. on so many other cases, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. But all right, let's get to Elisa Lamb. So we've established that the Cecil Hotel is a place that nobody should be ever. And if you're living there now, get the hell out while you still can. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you're putting yourself at risk. That's for sure. But I'm guessing that one of the reasons that she stayed there was because she is from Canada. What She was from Canada. She's a young woman. Yeah. Age 21 at the time. And, um. She was visiting California. She was going all over the place. You know, she went to San Diego. She went to LA. She was planning to go to Santa Cruz after she was in Los Angeles. All really great places to visit. There's a ton of stuff in all of those places. You know, Santa Cruz has like this boardwalk that is just amazing. San Diego Mm -hmm. is just absolutely beautiful. Los Angeles has, you know, arts and stuff. You know, the, they have opera and art museums. The LA County Museum of Art is badass. Like there's a lot of great stuff to do there. If you can deal with the crime and, uh, the, the traffic, (laughs) the traffic, the homeless people, all that stuff. She was a well, she was a well-cultured individual. Um, she was the daughter of uh, two immigrants from Hong Kong. And she was at the time going to the university of uh, British Columbia. And, um, the reason why, from what I understand, she took this trip was kind of to take a break because she hadn't been, she seemed to be a, a very intelligent person, but she was having issues in school. So she decided to take this break and, uh, go over to the West coast and, and kind of like, you know, do a walkabout, I guess you'd say, you know? Yeah. And, uh, she, yeah. Well, I guess, I suppose that's a good point place to mention that she had severe bipolar disorder and yes. bipolar disorder is often portrayed in movies as people being either very happy or very sad, that's part of it. But when they're very sad, they tend to swing into suicidal depressions, which Elisa Lamb did. She did have suicidal ideation in the, in the past. Yeah, and, and she had actually talked in great length about that on, um, she had a, uh, well, she, a, an original blog that she was, uh, um, writing was, uh, ether fields, but then she moved, uh, eventually to Tumblr, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, that, I think that vlog was called like, uh, it was like Novel, new, Novia or something like that. I don't know. It yeah. meant like new news or news, yeah. new, something like that. Something like that. But she yeah. talked in great, she talked about her issues, her mental health issues in great length on her blogs. And, you know, that, right. that, that's why, you know, why we know about it pretty much, uh, uh, other than her parents talking about it after 
she had you know gone missing well it was a while after but yeah anyway we'll, we'll get we'll get into all that later yeah and somebody who is in a state of mania can also it can just be euphoria but along with that euphoria often comes other sense uh, other symptoms like hypersexuality or you know grandiose thoughts and feelings um and yeah. Also hallucinations too. Yeah, including things that often are associated with schizophrenia, like hallucinations, delusions, full-blown psychosis. You know, they might they might think that they're, for example, they might feel that they are Jesus and that their their job is to save the world or whatever. There's any kind mm-hmm. of psychosis they could have. That all of that goes into bipolar. A lot of people don't know exactly what it is they just see it in the movie and they think that it's just people who are either really happy or really sad but it's a serious illness with some real problems oh yeah and that's central to this case and she had been prescribed multiple medications uh, relating to this issue yeah you know i mean well well butrin uh lamotrigin lamotrigine lamotrigine there we go yeah uh dexatrine spansul I don't know. That's, I'm, well, flaxen. I'm not going to be great at pronouncing the, this stuff. The dexedrine, that's an ADHD drug. That's for um, concentrating. I've actually been on that myself because I have ADHD. It works great. Uh-huh. It works great, but um, it also has some side effects that uh, that were troublesome. So um, I stopped taking them eventually. But mm. uh, maybe we'll talk about those side effects in the after hours if people really want to know if people really want to know about them, <laughs> but yeah, she was on a couple of different drugs. Wellbutrin is, it's an antidepressant. Um, Lamotrigine is a mood stabilizer and she was also on Seroquel, which is an antipsychotic. There might've been mm-hmm. another one. I don't know, but those are the ones I read about, but yeah, we'll talk about the um, toxicology report later on. I suppose we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah. We want to lay out the story. She was on, a pretty serious cocktail of medications and that goes, you know, goes hand in hand with having very serious mental illnesses, you know? Uh, but yeah, so she was apparently at the time, you know, her friends and family after the fact were interviewed and said that she was actually in a good place, you know, when she was on vacation and she was trying to hit the reset button, essentially, like you were saying, you know? So Uh after she disappeared for a couple of weeks, guests of the Cecil hotel, uh, Squeamish warning, by the way, if you know, if you didn't check out earlier, here's another chance. Uh, for weeks, guests of the Cecil Hotel were complaining of low water pressure and odd tasting and smelling water or water that was coming out of the faucet looking blackish. Um, yeah. <laughs> on February 19th, um, the maintenance worker went up to investigate the water tanks and he found Elisa yeah, Lamb's San- body. Santiago, the Santiago Lopez. Yeah. And he found her body floating in one of the large cistern water tanks. They were thousand gallon tanks. And that was what was causing the problems, um, which is. Mm-hmm. So when, <laughs> oh my when God. he found her, when he found her, she was naked. It yes. appears that she had uh, taken her clothes off. The clothes were in the tank as well. So I've, it seems that once she climbed into the tank or was put into the tank, whatever theory you, you know, subscribe to that, you know, either she or somebody else took her clothes off. So it, to me, it sounds like she took her own clothes off, but at any yeah, rate, but, yeah, she was found. Yeah. But she would have taken naked. She would have taken her clothes off before she went in the water. Right. And these, I don't know. These I, were, I don't know if you, 
these cisterns were eight feet tall on cinder blocks. So you're not going to like, you're going to get undressed before you get in there. You're not going to undress on the way up. Well, not necessarily because there was a higher point than those tanks on top of the roof. And it was the, uh, the elevator maintenance uh, room. And so there was a, there was clear pictures I've seen online where there's a, um, a staircase that leads up to a ladder that you can absolutely get on top above those tanks and on top of that maintenance room. And the, the distance from the top of that uh, maintenance room to the top of those tanks are, it's not very far. You could easily jump down on there. You yeah. Know? So no, that is she, true. She, yeah. I don't, I don't believe she climbed up. If she did put herself in that situation, I don't believe she climbed up the tanks, like the side of the tank. Right. I think it's, it's rather obvious that she climbed up that, 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 that uh, staircase and, and uh, ladder and then jumped on top, on top of the tanks. Yeah. I just think that if she took her clothes off, then she would have taken them off like outside of the tank to get in the tank. But even doing that would be well, a very strange thing to do. Um, yeah. One of, so there's one a lot of, the, of strange things about this case. One of the, the, topics, the reason why I say that is because is because the clothes was her clothes were were in the water tank. Yeah, they were in so the water. So why tank, would yeah. you take your why were you why would you take your clothes off on the top of the water tank? Jump in like with your clothes in hand, or I don't know anything could have yeah. happened. But well, I think it, in my opinion, it's more likely that she took her clothes off once she was in the tank. But but they're already wet. Why would you take them off? The reason to take them off would be to keep them dry, so that when you get back out, right. Yeah, I suppose, but maybe she didn't plan on getting back out, you know? Yeah, I guess. But another strange thing about the clothing is that, so the, the autopsy report says that the clothes that were found with her were consistent or similar to the clothes that were seen in the video of her on the elevator, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah. it turns out that they were actually men's clothing, a men's t-shirt and shorts that were several sizes too big for her. And if you look at the video, the clothes that she's wearing do not look baggy. They look like they fit her appropriately. So uh -huh. that's just another one of these really bizarre. This case has a lot of really bizarre details to it that don't make any sense at all. Like those don't seem like they were her clothes. So if they weren't her clothes, yeah. whose were they? Where were her clothes? Did she enter the tank naked? Did she take those clothes? Well, she's wearing those clothes. We don't know. There's a lot of questions here that, you know, that we really don't know. One of the things often debated about was whether or not she could lift the heavy metal lid on the, the top of the tank. But you're mm -hmm. right. I did see the picture where you, she could have climbed up on top of that roof and then, and then gone down. It looked like that rooftop. It's really hard to tell from that picture, but it looks like that rooftop is maybe three to five feet above the tanks at most. It's not very, it's not very far. Any, yeah. Anybody could easily jump down from that rooftop. Right. But there actually is a very interesting point to be made. Um, there was a Chinese man that was uh, uh, very interested in this case. He actually uh, uh, ended up flying over and staying in that hotel and um, found, because one of the, one of the things that people bring up is like, the uh, some of the doors, uh, the access doors to the, the rooftop had like uh, uh, alarms on them, and none of those trigger those alarms were never triggered. Right. So, but there is a fire escape on the side of the uh, of the building that you can easily get uh, rooftop access to. There's no alarms there; it's just a, you know stairs and ladders, you know. Yeah. So, but um, he he videotaped the whole thing, and uh, he ended up uh, gaining access in that way to the rooftop. Yeah. And um, when he went there. 
Like, because uh, there's, I think, uh, from what I remember, there's like four water tanks, right? Yes. And uh, he actually gained access to the rooftop and found out that or he found two of the water tanks, the the, the access lids on the top were, were open hmm. when he got there. So Weird. Like, pe- people say that, like, you know, um, she wasn't that big of a person and these access doors were very heavy, so they don't think she would have been able to lift it up, open it herself. And it's quite possible they were already open from this evidence that I've seen, you know, so she may not have even had to do that, you know, by this time, this was by the time this guy went, I'm guessing it was such a famous case that you probably had a lot of armchair investigators going to the hotel and looking into things for themselves. So he probably was not the first person to make that trek up the fire escape and to the tanks. Yeah, so, quite possible. Yeah, so that's another possibility. But even but like San, uh, the the ma- the maintenance man. I'm sorry to interrupt you. If I yeah, may just make this point, the maintenance man Santiago Lopez, when he said he had uh, got uh, he put up his ladder, got access to the top of that tank, um, the lid was was open. Right. So whether she opened it or not, you know, it seems to me like this might be a common occurrence for this hotel. Those those you know the access. Uh, hatch for that that water tank may have commonly just been left open you know yeah well it may or may not have been but the weight for those doors that i found online was a number anywhere between 20 pounds and 60 pounds so let's go towards the heavier end of that even a small person such as elisa if she was properly motivated would be able to lift 60 pounds so, oh, yeah. um, I don't think that the theory that she was not strong enough to lift the lid, I'm not really buying into that. I think that if she was on top of that tank, she probably would have had the strength to lift the lid, you know? Yeah. Um, 60 pounds is fairly heavy, but it's not that heavy for somebody who's really motivated, no. you know? And I don't, I couldn't find the exact number of the weight of that lid, but I'm not, I find, I find it unlikely that that lid is actually 60 pounds. You know what I mean? Um, I think, I think it's probably more, more close to the 20 pounds. And if it was 20 or 30 pounds, she absolutely could have lifted it. 20 pounds, 20 pounds might be, might feel heavy to somebody who only weighs 90 pounds, but they could, she could absolutely have lifted 20 or 30 pounds. No problem. Absolutely. So that's, I just wanted to throw that out there as part of the discussion. That's just my opinion on it. But maybe there's something I'm missing about, you know, the construction of it or something. I don't know. But my opinion is that she would have been able to lift the lid if she wanted to. But um, we'll we'll talk about at the end about our opinions on what we think happened. But all right. So let's see here. Where was I in my notes? We, we got a little ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> so we talked about the blog uh, where she discussed her bipolar. Um, yeah, she, she did have a history of hallucin- hallucinogens. And she also had a history of, uh, not hallucinogens, of hallucinations. And she sometimes had a history of skipping her medication. Bipolar people Uh will sometimes skip their medication, particularly when they're manic, because being manic feels really good. It feels like being on coke or something. Like it feels euphoric. It feels like being on drugs. They don't want to take drugs to come back down. So it's not unusual for them to skip their medications because they feel so good. They feel, well, I feel great. Why would I take my meds? I feel awesome. You know, this is, Mm -hmm. this is exactly how I want to feel. So it's very common for people to do that. So nothing unusual for her specifically, but it's just another little piece of the case. All right. So when she went on her vacation, 
She arrived in Southern California on January 26 in the Los Angeles area, and she checked into the Cecil on January 28th. At first, I think you mentioned this already, ETA, that she was in a shared room, like a hostel-type room, but they yeah. moved her to a private room because she was exhibiting odd behavior. For example, she was leaving strange notes for her roommates, and she would lock the door and demand a password for her roommates to get back in to the room. And at some point people complained and they said, all right, you know what? Enough of this shenanigans. We'll just give you your own room. So we don't have to worry about it. I'm guessing that they had plenty of vacancies, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And another thing, a few days before disappearing, she attended a taping, a live taping of uh, Conan, the barbarian, no of uh, Conan, the late night show, but was removed for disruptive behavior. So this shows a profile of somebody who is not doing well. You know, she's, she's exhibiting odd behavior and she's, she seems troubled at this point in time. Um, this is, mm -hmm. this is a, an important part of the case. You know, we'll get to it by, a little bit later. By the way, by the way, Conan, one of my, probably my number one, like it's, it's a, it's a tie between him and David Letterman. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. One of my favorite late night uh, he is, hosts. He is a goofy guy. That that is for sure. <laughs> yeah, that dude's that dude's freaking hilarious. The goofiest. All right, so she was exhibiting odd behavior, odd behavior for sure. But even so, during the entirety of her trip, she had been contacting her parents every single day. Now, her parents, mm -hmm. I can only imagine, must have been extremely worried about her all of the time because. I mean, hold on just a second. The cryptid wants up. Where? Where, Toby? Oh, he's, <laughs> he's not going to stop scratching at me and bothering me until he wants He wants to sit on my lap. All right, there you go. There you go, Toby. Are you happy now? Can Can I continue my podcast? Do I have your permission? Okay, thank you. Yeah. Well, she, <laughs> but, was, she was very close with her parents, and her parents, her parents were very concerned about uh, one of the, uh, the, the deal that she made with her, with her parents as a, you know, to make this trip was that they, they made her promise that she would uh, check in every day with her, yeah. with, with them. Sorry. And I can only imagine, like, her parents probably wanted her to live a normal adult life. That's what you would want for your kids, most people anyways. But they also yeah. were probably extremely worried about her. Because of her condition, well, you know? Yeah, ex exactly. They, they obviously know that she has some mental health issues and, and they're worried about something, something going wrong because they, they, you know, that's part of their, their concerns about her. You never know what's going to happen when somebody goes manic or has any kind of issue like that. Yeah. So they, obviously they, their concerns were well-founded. Right. You know? Yeah. She was supposed to check out of the Cecil on January 31st, 2013 and travel to Santa Cruz. Good choice, by the way. Santa Cruz is pretty awesome. Her parents didn't hear from her that day. She did not contact her parents on the, on the 31st. So they became very worried. You know, they knew right away something was off. So they contacted the police and they also flew to Los Angeles to look for her because, yeah. you know, they were, they were very worried. The police searched for her in the building and they even used dogs to try to find her. You yeah. Know, sniffing dogs, including the rooftop, but they were unable to find a scent of her. Not, they did not find her scent, not even on the rooftop. Um, this is a really interesting piece of information and it kind of makes me wonder if she had been in the tank at that point in time. I don't know, well, but 
it's a little suspicious that the dogs did not catch her trace on that rooftop after she had gone missing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The police said that they did not search every room in the hotel because they did not have probable cause to do so. At this point, she was not found deceased. She was just missing. So they cannot go barging into everybody's hotel room looking for her, which is unfortunate because if there was foul play involved, it almost certainly would have happened on the premise and they might have been able to find her a scent of her in the room and find some evidence, but they did not. And they did not have probable cause to do so on February. Yeah. yeah. And well, yeah, I'm sorry. And also her belongings were still in the room that she was uh, staying in. So those dogs definitely had the scent of her, right? Like they knew what scent they were looking for. So that, that, that makes me even a little bit more suspicious, you know, that they didn't find her scent on the rooftop. That's you know? extremely suspicious. And if that water tank door was open since she went in there, so it was open when she was found. So we can assume that it had been open that entire time because if somebody had yeah. opened it and found her in there, they would have reported her. So if that tank was open and she was in it, the dogs would have caught her scent. These dogs, dude, dogs can smell like if you take like a little, a little speck of cocaine and vacuum seal it 15 times, the dogs can still smell it. They have incredibly sensitive smelling sense uh -huh. of smell, not smell. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. They have incredibly <laughs> sensitive sense of smell. So I find that extremely suspicious that they did not detect her on that rooftop with the tank lid open as it was when she was found extremely suspicious, yeah. but they didn't find her on, on February 13th. Police released the elevator security footage, which was the last time she was known to have been seen alive. Um, um, and that footage was from January 31st. Did you see, did you get a chance to watch this footage, Agent ETA? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, very odd what you see in this footage, like the way she acts and like, uh, you know, the footage starts out by her walking into the, uh, the elevator and then... Um, I think first uh, does she, uh, she pops her head out and looks both ways, like down the hallway, left and right or right yeah. and left. I think, well, but first she comes in and she hits all of the buttons. It's hard oh, to yeah, tell. Yeah. The video is very, very grainy, but it looks like she comes in and hits all of the buttons. Some people say she only hits like half of them. Maybe there's two rows of buttons. I don't know, but she Either hits away. She hit a, she hit a bunch of buttons yeah, like she, right away. She hits a bunch of the buttons. And then she starts, uh, the elevator door does not close like it's supposed to. Some people say she hit the hold button and that's why I don't know, but she then, well, she, it, it, it also could have, the elevator could have malfunctioned because of how many buttons she hit, but I mean, right. that, that's rather here, here nor there. But I mean, yeah, we're talking the door about, didn't close. we're talking about an older elevator probably. And, you know, I stayed in a hotel somewhat recently. I think we talked about it on the show. When I had that little, uh, little catastrophe where I, um, I fell through the balcony <laughs> at the hotel we're staying uh -huh. at uh -huh. that hotel, like half the elevators were not working. <laughs> they were just flat out not working. And the ones that were working were not working very well. Like they were, they were, they would like hitch yeah. and kind of hiccup on the way up and down. And when they stopped, they didn't yeah. line up perfectly to the floor. And you're like, I don't know if we should be riding these things, you know, like this. Uh, looks, I don't know, Rick. Yeah. I don't know, Rick. I don't know, Rick. This looks a little <laughs> sketchy, <laughs> no, I, you know? I've had experience with that before. I, I've worked in a high rise building in, in downtown Riverside where 
we would have constant there there was a well technically there was four elevators in, in the entire facility but there was three main ones and quite often like uh we'd have malfunctions for one reason or another or just randomly where you'd only have like one or two elevators operating you know so yeah. it's and i've been i've been there where i was in the elevator and it malfunctioned and i was stuck there for hours like <laughs> it sucked you know right so after she presses the buttons, uh, she, she looks outside or like, but around the corner, almost like she's hiding from somebody. And then she comes back into the elevator yeah. and she hides, she like stuffs herself into the corner of the elevator next to the buttons, like almost like she's hiding from somebody. Like she's, yeah. she sticks herself in there. Like it's very, very strange. And then it definitely looks like she's concerned about somebody that's outside the elevator that maybe who knows, maybe she might think she, uh, she's being followed or something like that. Right. That's what, what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Yeah. And then the elevator's doors don't close. So eventually she goes outside of the elevator and she steps to the left and then you can see her, like she raises her arms up. You can see one of her elbows to the side as if she's like sticking like her hands behind her head, you know? Um, and it looks like maybe she's talking to somebody. We don't know, but that yeah. that happens and she comes back in the elevator and leaves again. The elevator doors open and close several times. And then that's the end of the video. Really, really weird. Oh yeah. There's also that part where she starts like moving her hands around. Really. It's really kind of creepy the way she's moving around. And yeah, it looks like she's talking to somebody or, or, or something. She has like some, you know, like mannerisms, like, like it's like, what the hell is she talking to somebody or. Yeah. Trying to re reason with somebody. I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah. And the mannerisms that she has, um, they, they look really weird. Some people even suggest that at this point she was possessed by like, you know, some sort of ghost or poltergeist or something like for those who go to the paranormal realm, I don't know about all that, but it looks dude, it, if you watch this video and you don't get creeped right out when you see that, then you are dead inside, <laughs> you know, like there's yeah. no way you can watch this she, video and feel comfortable watching it. It is very uncomfortable to watch. She this was video. acting extremely strange and yes. she definitely like, uh, you can see, you can see like by the way she was moving, she was definitely concerned about something, whether it be a hallucination, hallucination, sorry. But, um, like she was definitely in a, in a, you know, maybe in a, a mode of panic of some sorts, Yeah, you know, like it, it, it looks like it to me. This video went viral, and this is this video is why we know about this case today, because it's just so damn creepy looking. But millions and millions of views right away, pretty much on this video internationally. Yeah, people all over saw well, this video. The video was released by by the police department. Yeah, on February on yeah on the thirteenth of February. Yeah, yeah. But there are some really strange elements to the video. For example, the time. The time code at the bottom of the video has been obscured. Did you notice that at ETA? The people say I heard people saying that like there was like about a minute of like a like where it jumps like a minute forward. Yeah. So there's about a, there's like 54 or 55 seconds of missing footage and the time code at the bottom has been hidden by what looks like I mean it looks like they just put a some sort of mask over it or something or they put some sort of video effect to distort that area of the film. I don't know. The, it looks like the the video was edited. Yes, it does. Somebody who had access to the behind the scenes stuff at the hotel who could have gotten onto that top floor without setting off an alarm perhaps 
and had access to the video footage, maybe somebody like that edited it. We don't know. Maybe it shows, maybe it shows the murderer in the, in the footage that was edited out. It could be anything. Yeah. We just don't know. It's all possible. That footage is probably lost to time. The manager said that she did not edit it and nobody working for her edited it. The police said that they didn't do it. And we don't have any reason to believe that either one of those people are lying. Although some people suspect that the perpetrator, if it was foul play, some people suspect that it was a police officer and that's how they're able to cover it up is because they have connections inside the department. There's no evidence for this though. It's just pure speculation, you know, but you know, we, we could go on all day about, you know, speculating on this stuff, but at the end of the day, we just don't know. All we know is that the time code was hidden and there is missing footage. And there's a, a part of the video that looks like it was slowed down a little bit. Why would they slow down part of the video? I don't know. Was it a glitch with the machine? We're not talking about, you know, a hotel with a huge budget here for ma- maintaining things. At least they chose not to yeah. have a budget. So it could be that their video equipment was old and shitty and it slowed down part of the recording. I don't know. But it's yeah, very, yeah. Well, very strange. I've seen multiple different reviews of the hotel and, and like uh, for a long time, this hotel, and we've already touched on this, but this hotel was, was known for being a pretty dirty place, you know, and, and not maintaining a whole lot of stuff, you know? So, I mean, if their, if their security footage was uh subpar, it wouldn't surprise me in any way, shape or form, you know? Yeah. And the resolution of the video is really not very com- good. Yeah. It's grainy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's good enough to see that something weird is going on, right? All right, so on February 21st, the L.A. coroner released an an autopsy report and said that it was accidental drowning and said it was probably due to symptoms of bipolar. The coroner, we already talked about the clothes, so the coroner said the clothes were similar. Yeah, we talked about that. So the coroner said there was in the report that there was no evidence of physical trauma or sexual assault or any foul play whatsoever. And the toxicology report did not find any recreational drugs in her system. But there's a really big but here. They didn't do, they apparently did not do a rape kit on her. They did not scrape under her fingernails for evidence of DNA, which is what you do in the case of a sexual assault because often the victims will scratch at their attackers and that that evidence under their fingernails will stay there for a very long time. That is standard operating procedure in a case like this. So you have to ask, why was that not done? If they suspect a rape, which I, I have to assume they didn't yeah, suspect maybe, a rape. That, maybe, that's why they didn't do it. Yeah, know? maybe they were just they weren't told to do it. But it's still I find it very, very suspicious that they didn't do that stuff. The toxicology also apparently did not test for things like Rohypnol or GHB or other date rape drugs. They only tested for your typical party drugs like cocaine and marijuana and that kind of a thing. They found, Uh they did find in her system all of her prescription drugs, although her pill bottles were not missing enough pills So it's suspected that she was not taking her doses like she was supposed to, but guess what? They did find a little bit of in her system, just a little bit. Can you guess agent ETA? Oh, well, I know they they found some metabolites of, uh, um, one of her drugs. I forget, I forget which one it was. No, they found, they found a little bit of alcohol. 
Not enough. Oh yeah, but but it was negligible. It wasn't well. Like, it definitely wasn't like recent like uh, ingestion. Yeah, but it was a small amount. Maybe she only took a few sips of a drink. But where would you hide the taste of a date rape drug? Alcohol. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And you might say that perhaps those drugs would be strong enough to where. You know, let's say she only took a few sips and she tasted something off, so she didn't take anymore, but that was enough to knock her out. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I just find the the presence of alcohol is extremely suspicious to me. Extremely suspicious because that's where you're going to hide a drug to knock somebody out to do nefarious things. So, and the fact that they did not test her for, you know, the, the date rape drugs. Very, mm -hmm. very suspicious stuff. So that is kind of the case in a nutshell, but there are a few things that we didn't really talk about yet, right? Like, um, well, we talked, see, we talked about the lid. We talked about the roof access. We talked about uh, the size of the tanks. Um, we talked about the police scent, actually. <laughs> we got ahead of ourselves there. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, we did not talk about. Okay, remember how I said the coroner's or the autopsy report said there's no trauma. Well, it turns out, like I was saying, that that's not exactly true. Um, I said uh, poorly chosen words. I said earlier where there's a big but to go along with that. I should have said something different because I'm not trying to make light of the topic. She had signs of anal trauma, and uh, what was the exact quote? Um, See well, there had there had been blood that pooled in her uh, the the cavity there. Yeah, but that also could have. I, I've heard a couple different explanations. That also could have been the fact that she was, you know, that that just happened to be where that blood pooled because she was in that tank for around two weeks. Okay, here it and is. So the anus, she was face up. Here's a quote: "The anus is edematous, uh, e d e m a t o u s, edemit." Well, I don't know what that means. And shows pooling of blood in the subcutaneous tissues surrounding the orifice. There were several doctors interviewed and asked about this, and they said that it's consistent with trauma or sexual assault. And one doctor said that this meant that it was highly likely that this damage was from a sexual assault. So it was it was where they found the blood pooling. It wasn't just in the cavity. It was in the subcutaneous tissues surrounding the orifice, which is highly consistent with a sexual assault. Um, so that was, you know, that is extremely interesting. It does. It's not necessarily proof. Like you were just saying, it's, it's theoretically suspect. Though. It's theoretically possible that could happen to somebody sitting in the water, but typically it does not. Now, another really suspicious item from the report is that she did not have any water in her lungs. No water in the lungs. Now, it turns out it is possible for this to happen under very specific circumstances, but it is unusual, to say the least, for somebody to drown yeah. and not have water in their lungs. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you would you would think that would be a given. You, you would have to, in order to drown, right? Yeah. You, unless you were suffocated before you're put in the water, you know? Like you'd have to have water in your lungs. I would have to assume I'm not an expert on the, the matter, but yeah. Also, this is another strange detail. The report said that there was evidence of like beach sand on her or in the tank oh, with yeah. her. Now I saw that. Yeah. This is kind of weird because there was another killing that happened 
at the time that I didn't have time to look into because I just ran out of time, but uh, a lady named Tita Tina Huang, H-O-A-N-G, hope I'm saying that right, also a young Asian woman, was drowned and found face down on the beach. Um, There are similarities, apparently. I don't know what those are because I didn't have time to look into it, but the profile at the very least, I mean, some, some killers have a particular type of victim that they prey upon, you know? So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of weird that you'd have that much of a similarity. All right. Now there is one, well, there's, I mean, there's, we could go on and on and on, but there's one more thing I did want to mention. Two more things I did want to mention that are very weird. The movie dark water. Have you seen this movie agent ETA? I haven't. I'm aware of it, and it seems to have been inspired by this event, uh, from what I hear. But no, I no. haven't seen it. No, it was not. It was inspired by, um, like, I think a Japanese movie that was inspired by a short story. But the, oh, okay. the movie Dark Water came out in 2005. This is eight oh. years, eight years before Elisa Lam perished. Now, the movie. Just a quick summary. I have not seen the movie, but a quick summary is. A mother and daughter move into a low-income apartment complex, and the complex has a problem with dark water. It leads Ew. them to investigate the roof tank where they find the body of a missing girl. And the elevator in the apartment is on the fritz, and it turns out that the ghost of the missing girl is haunting the elevator. What oh, okay. the fuck, dude? There are so many bizarre coincidences with this case. Does that mean anything? It doesn't mean anything. I doubt this well, was I remember a, hearing a killer who was trying to I, replicate that movie, but it's just really, possibly. really weird. Really weird. Well, I know there's a lot of theories that, that are involved with this case. And, and one of the theories is that like she was trying to play the, like a quote unquote, what's called the elevator game. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is all, I mean, it's, I, I kind of see it as, you know, pure utter bullshit to be honest but yeah. <laughs> like so su- supposedly like like there are people from like uh one of them i guess one of the areas where this is popular is in south korea but by hitting a certain sequence of buttons in an elevator it will like uh like move you to like a different like uh a parallel universe or something like that like you can go through some kind of opening you know and like i don't know it's I heard that mentioned in some of the theories, like like what you know why she was acting the way she was acting in the that video, but I don't know. I think it's a, an interesting little point to consider, but I don't consider it at all, really. You know? Yeah. So that's I mean that's pretty much all I had on this. There's there are so many things on this case that if you wanted to go down a rabbit hole, like I saw a YouTube video. I didn't have a chance to watch it yet, but there's a guy who did a six hour video on this case on YouTube. Uh, let me see. Oh, I got, really? I got on my phone. I'm actually really interested to watch it because I want to see what details he gets into that I, that I missed. There have to be, let's see. It's, um, the channel name is called mind shock. M I N D S H O C K. The video title is Elisa lamb. The truth at last question mark. It's six hours and 34 minutes and 15 seconds. Um, wow. I, I can't wait to watch this video. It's going to take me several days or weeks to get through the whole thing. Cause I don't have six hours where I can sit there and watch to a, watch a video. I want dude. Yeah. I feel like I want to email this guy and see if he wants to come on the show and like talk about this and other stuff. He's has several videos, you know, um, this video only has 2000 views, which I don't know. I haven't watched the video yet, so I don't know, but I'm very, very curious 
to check it out. Uh, let's see. I, I bet there's a lot of detail there. I, I would have to assume the reason why it doesn't have like a ton of views is probably just because like a, a lot of people they'll go on YouTube and like uh, you know we have short short attention spans nowadays, right? So when you see a six hour video, you're like, ah, nope. Yeah. Well, who has time you know? to watch that? I don't have time to watch a six hour video. You know. Yeah. Well, but God bless him for putting that much effort into a video, you know? Well, that's why I want to watch it. I was like, what did this guy do a really deep dive? And he found like all this really crazy evidence. I want, what's his opinion? Mm -hmm. What, what does he possibly have six hours to talk about? There is six hours to talk about on this case easily, but which six hours did he focus on? I don't know. It's, I'm really interested. Mm -hmm. Oh, there was one more thing I forgot to mention something that I, um, that I heard mentioned on another podcast, Alien Theorist Theorizing, who did this case years ago, they uh, they mentioned that there is a a test for tuberculosis called the Lam Elisa test. It's spelled exactly like really? her name, but reversed. Lam Elisa. Really weird. Strange coincidence. And that apparently there was an outbreak of a difficult to, to treat form of tuberculosis in the area around the time that she disappeared. Really, really, really weird. Really weird. That's quite the coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? I don't know. But that's, this case has so much stuff like that where you're just like, I, that's oh, it's so creepy. What does it mean? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just so fucking weird. So weird. Well, there's a ton, there's a ton of stuff that is just a thread of evidence that, you know, is, 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 could be coincidental. It could be nothing. It could be something, but like, there's not like any solid evidence to like, like move you one way or the other on all these different, like little things, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. Like I, I definitely find this case extremely suspect and, and very bewildering as far as what happened. And I really feel sorry for the people that were staying in the hotel at the time. Cause just imagine like, you know, like, like, uh, you're complaining about like, you know, a foul taste in the water or, or whatever the water coming out black when you first turn on a tap or what have you, Yeah, you know? And, and, uh, and then if you were to find out what that actually was, I would immediately throw the hell up. Like, I'd be like, holy shit. I was, oh. <laughs> I was drinking dead people, yeah. you know, <laughs> bathing in it, drinking it. Oh God. Oh. Just so disgusting. And it's. It's just horrible. It's yeah. horrible for, for Elisa Lamb. It's horrible for everybody involved. You know, it's, 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 it's horrible I, yeah. for her parents and her friends. It's, it's just awful. Oh, absolutely. Just awful. Well, and also, also how public the, the incident was too. Yeah. You know, you, you, like you're not only dealing with a loss, like for her parents, the loss of a daughter that, that they obviously truly loved as soon as they, you know, she didn't check in with them. You know, they, they immediately flew down to yeah. LA and, and, you know, they knew was able to, yeah, they, they, they were something. able to get the police involved and stuff. And yeah, the they police knew something did, was wrong. Uh, did make, yeah, the police did make a pretty fast response, I think, with, yeah. to take out in LA, a place like LA, when you have, there's, I got to assume there's a ton of missing people that all that, the time, you know, yeah. get, re get reported in that area all the time. And for the, for them to show up the way they did, and even bring in like dogs and stuff, even though it didn't pan out, you know, like uh, they they obviously put in effort to try to find this this lady, you know, like yeah, you know, they 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 they, they tried to do their due diligence, even though, like I said, it didn't didn't work out initially. Well, and they some tried it. They tried. Some people least, wonder, you know? like, how is it possible they didn't find her body in the tank? Um, it's a big, big ass hotel, but I think my theory is. All right, because so what I think is she was cl very clearly, she was in a disturbed state. She was not in her right state of mind 
We know this based on her roommates, based on the Conan O'Brien scene, based on her strange behavior. We know that she was experiencing symptoms of bipolar, probably delusions, possibly hallucinations and full-blown psychosis. Now, the official word, the official word is that she was delusional. And because of this, she climbed up onto the roof by herself and jumped into the tank for delusional reasons. We don't know what those are. I think that that's a little far-fetched personally. And I think that a predator would readily recognize that she was in a compromised state. And in this area, this is a really bad area of Los Angeles, really bad where there's yeah, a lot well, of, some would say, some would say the worst. Area, yeah. You know, in LA. yeah. And that's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. That is saying something. And there are, you know, if, if a predator saw her and recognized, and by the way, predators apparently frequent this hotel, uh, you know, as we've covered, um, if somebody who was out looking for a victim saw her in this compromised state, they would have clued into that right away. Yeah. You know? Well, so, I mean, any, any, any criminal, whether they be a thief or a murderer, most crimes are crimes of opportunity is, is right. a term that most people use. Yeah. So yeah, that's possible. That's absolutely possible. Yeah. So I think that, I don't think that her, um, that her, her condition, I don't think that made her commit suicide. I think that condition made her an easy victim, you know, cause these people, you know, criminals or whatever, the people who are going to murder somebody, they don't necessarily want a challenge. They want an easy target, you know, which, you know, like Richard Ramirez, he murdered people in their sleep or at least he attacked them in their sleep. But that's, you know, there's just too much weird stuff to this case there. If you just think about somebody going up to the roof, why would she go to the roof? She never went to the roof before. Why would she go up there, climb up to the tank? It's not that easy to climb up to those tanks. How would she even know the tanks are there? She wouldn't. She climbs up to the roof, sees a water tank and thinks I'll jump in there. That's pretty absurd. Even for somebody suffering from mental health problems, pretty absurd. Well, I think, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think that since her body was not discovered on the roof, when the dogs were on that roof, I think that she was murdered. She was taken. She was murdered. She was abused. And her body was placed there later after the police searched that area. I think she was placed there after the fact. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know. We don't have enough evidence, but it's a really strange case. And I feel like there was probably foul play involved. Um, Who that person would be, we don't know. Like you were saying, there was easy roof access through the fire escape. Anybody who was a hotel regular would certainly be aware of that fact. So you wouldn't yeah. necessarily have to be staff at the hotel. Although there's no reason to think that somebody who was staff at the hotel, you know, it, it couldn't be them. It could be staff at the hotel, 700 rooms. They had to have a pretty sizable staff to maintain all that. So, I mean, we don't have any good, good uh, suspects that I'm aware of, but there's so much weird stuff in the case that just does not line up for me that I feel there must've been foul play involved. Okay. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. To- I don't know. All right. So my opinion on it is, uh, I get what all, everything you're saying, you know, it is a very weird case and there's a lot of suspect, uh, stuff going on here. Uh, in my opinion though, I think the most likely scenario that happened here is that she was in a manic state. Um, she was potentially hallucinating and, and, 
not in touch with reality. Uh, I'm not saying, I'm not ruling out foul play, but in my opinion, the most likely scenario here is that she was not in touch with reality. She was, she was, uh, you know, like, like wandering wherever she was wandering, you know, and, and like, just like a freaking out, I guess, for whatever she was experiencing. I probably, I think it's, it's most likely she was hallucinating, maybe even, you know, a bit psychotic, what have you. And I think in that state of mind, it's quite possible that she could have wandered her, her way onto the roof and then ended up in this water tank for whatever reason. I have no idea what reason that could be, but I think the most likely scenario is that she was, you know, in a, a state, a state where she was not thinking correctly and she ended up jumping into this water tank because she was just, you know, to lack of a better word, just crazy, you know, like, yeah, I, like I said, I'm I can not going to rule out foul play. I can see I that perspective, that's, but that's, I don't know. It seems pretty far-fetched. I've already, well, I've already, I'm not going to go back and forth, but I mean, yeah, it just seems far-fetched that somebody would do that. You know, it's just, just because somebody is manic doesn't necessarily hey. mean that they're going to jump into a water tank, you know? Yeah, well, well, sure. Yeah, for sure. But if you're in a manic state where you're not in touch with reality, like your, your actions are not going to make sense. Who knows what, like what, you know, perspective she was working on, what, what she was seeing, what she was experiencing, who knows what the hell that means. You know what I mean? So in, in that kind of situation, I think like everything is, you know, open, you know, you know, it's like, who knows what, what the, this type of person is going to do in that situation. They're not thinking straight to begin with. So, you know, their actions are not going to make sense to you, not to a normal person, you know? So who, who, who knows what the hell like she was going through, but know? there, there were stories, uh, I think on her blog where she said, you know, she would talk about seeing hallucinations and she would hide under her bed. Not, she wouldn't go climb on the roof. You know, she would hide under her bed and stay in the same place. She wouldn't go somewhere else. It's, it just, it doesn't yeah. fit. It does not fit the profile well, in my opinion, but speaking well, of say for, wait, say but, for instance, if you, if, wait, before if you I, thought somebody was following you before I forget, I'm though, sorry, go ahead. speaking of the blog, Another strange thing to this case that I forgot to mention was that starting about six months after her disappearance, there somebody started posting on her blog again. Now, her cell phone was never found. Another suspicious piece of information that I forgot to mention, by the way, is that they never found her cell phone. Very suspicious. But... Um, well, on, on her blog also, she had uh, mentioned like a couple times she had lost her cell phone. So it seems like she was like, you know, you know, prone to that kind of a, she would lose her cell phone every once in a while, you know, it yeah, happened it in British it Columbia, then it, then it happened also in, in California. But her blog was posted upon for, I don't know if it's, I doubt it still is being posted on, but there were posts on her blog for years after her disappearance for several years. And nobody knows if those were scheduled posts because you can schedule a post. Nobody knows. From if, what I heard, from what I heard, there was those. Those were pre-scheduled posts. Yeah, that's what people think. I don't think. know if that's true or not. Maybe maybe somebody got her phone if if there was foul play. Uh, some people like to keep trophies of their victims. Maybe they did that and they were posting on there as for their own sick purposes. Maybe a hacker hacked into that blog and you know posted on there for whatever weird reasons they have for doing that. I don't know. We don't know. It was it's just a, one, another piece of the puzzle, another mysterious thing that happened. That after she passed away, 
her blog was posted on. Some people even say that it was her ghost, although I'm not sure I buy into that one, <laughs> you know, but uh, there is that paranormal angle there, you know, but yeah it's, yeah, it's a really weird case. There's a lot of strange stuff there and uh, it's, you know, it, it's a straight, one of those ones, you know, one of those strange ones. So I don't know. That's about all I got for it. Anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here, aging ETA? No, I don't think so. I think that's it. We've covered pretty much uh, everything I want to talk about, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, can I get to keep it strange? Keep it strange. <laughs>